was awesome. Good evening again. This is our first Wednesday night of the month, and uh, we like to have a communion service on the first Wednesday. And uh, a lot of times we'll do things just a little bit different, like we've done the last several months. We've had some new elders come on board at our church to help us as elders here. And a couple months ago, you heard from Todd Espinosa and Alan Griswold. Last time, Alan Gonzalez and Gary Baumgarten. And you can get their testimonies if you missed them online, as well as all of the elders' testimonies. Tonight, we're going to hear from Charlie Black and Juan Pilatas. So this has been an awesome thing. We learn a lot about uh, folks when we hear their testimony. So we're going to start with Charlie. You ready? All right, let's welcome Charlie up. Well, thank you, Terry and Kim, as well, for giving us all the opportunity to come up and share a, a story, an incident, an example, a testimony, a moment in time where God's presence was certainly there. It was a bitter cold day in November, my mom said, as I was transported from Southwestern General Hospital to my childhood home, way in the lower valley, off a street called North Loop, 8423 actually. And when I was growing up, there was nothing but really farmland, literally. There was a few neighborhoods starting to crop up, but not very many. It was mostly our, as far as you can see, cotton, onions, lettuce, lots and lots of farms. Now, my dad was not a farmer per se, if you will. He did grow a lot of different types of crops, commodities, and what he grew more than anything else was shade trees. He realized when he was just even a little boy that in West Texas, people needed some shade, and I think we can all testify to that, especially this past summer. And so that's what he farmed, and I... uh, I had a wonderful time growing up uh, playing there on the farm. That's where we lived, about 15 acres of ground. Every time I'd come home from grade school, I'd play in the dirt. I'd roll in the dirt. I'd throw dirt clods at my sister. I uh, had a lot of fun growing up. I certainly learned how to chop weeds when I was about five years old. I did a lot of that, learned how to irrigate, certainly learned how to propagate, how to plant, how to plow. Everything was all about the land. In fact, I guess if you were to have a battle cry of anybody on a farm, it would be, esta es mi tierra, would be a battle cry for somebody who lived on a farm. And obviously a farm that we had would not be complete without some farm animals, and we did have some. We had Bonnie the cow, we had Smokey the plow horse, we had a couple of little South Down sheeps named Yui and Dewey. <laughs> and certainly we had a little runt pig named Pinky. And I, uh, I loved Pinky. I really did. In fact, I would sometimes on occasion have him come in and I'd have him there lay at the very foot of my bed when I would sleep during the night. And just a quick story, my mom came in a little earlier than expected one morning. And she looked and she saw little Pinky and she said, uh, I'll be back here in two minutes. One of you will be gone. You all discuss and make a decision. So I'm still here. I don't know where it ever happened to Little Pinky. Now, it was a family business. I mean, so not only did we live there and grow 
trees and shrubbery and lots of different types of plants of all kinds. It was our family business, and what that meant was we did everything together as a family. I mean, we ate together. We went to the picture shows, my dad would say, together. And by all means, we went to church together every single Sunday, coat and tie. Everything was about family. In fact, the little church is still there where I grew up, Faith Presbyterian Church right there on Loma Land. So everything was all about family. We just didn't have a lot of different neighbors at that time. Mom and dad, my mom and dad were very, very big believers in Jesus Christ as their Savior. In fact, taught both my sister and I the fundamentals of living a, a Christian life. My mom was an avid reader of the Bible. She loved to read the Bible daily and certainly liked to read other publications. One of her favorite was Our Daily Bread. And I can just see her now, always with her coffee, reading Our Daily Bread. One particular day, she said to all of us, she said, look, there's going to be a person coming to El Paso. He's coming to Kid Field. That was before the Sun Bowl. And we're all going to go and hear him. He is an evangelist. And I was about 10 years old. I had no idea what that meant. I didn't know how to pronounce it. And I said, you know, uh, I've got to stay in. Bonnie the cow is kind of sick, and i got a lot of chores. I just, I really am busy. And she said, well, uh, if you can see the Texas Western Miners play for three hours, you can come hear him for one hour. So we went and Billy Graham there at Kidfield. And it was an awesome experience. Um, I can assure you that I, I did not go down on the field, as he many times will call people to come down after his sermon. I don't personally recall praying what would be known perhaps as the sinner's prayer, though I, I wouldn't say I did not. I just don't recall. But I do recall when I left there, something changed. Something was different. I didn't know what it was. But it was almost like a, a seed just started to just germinate, just start germinating. And a lot of it had to do because when I heard Billy Graham, I mean, he, he spoke with such a purpose, such an intention, such a conviction in how he spoke. And I'll always remember that particular day. A few years later, there at church, they offered what was called a communicates class. And everyone had to attend, everyone had to understand, because you could not take communion if you didn't understand what you were taking. And if you didn't know what Jesus did on the cross for you, if you didn't know how he shed his blood for you, then you were not going to take communion. So we went through this class, and at the end of the class, everybody, certainly myself included, individually, in front of the congregation, asked, do you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior? And I certainly said, yes, I do. And so that little seed that I spoke of just a little earlier now began to propagate a little bit more, if you will. It started growing just a little bit more. Well, I decided to go off to college, majoring in horticulture, going to be like my dad, a nurseryman, keep everything in the family, was the way of life. Certainly, I didn't really want to go at first, but I did. College academics and myself, we just didn't get along real well. Uh, I found it kind of hard to try to cram four years into six. But somehow or another, <laughs> I, uh, I managed through that. Well, I came back to work. Now I'm at home. I'm in the family business. I mean, once again, it, it's all about the family. There at the farm, it's mi tierra. It was my world. Everything was revolving around 
that business. I mean, I knew all the employees. They knew me since I was just a little bitty baby, some of them. And so I was, I was so comfortable. And after a few years, I began to realize this business, everything I learned, chopping weeds and irrigating and landscaping and doing some work, cash registering, whatever it might be, it all began to come together because I began to realize this business is very cyclical. It doesn't change a lot. You plant in the fall, you sell in the spring. You go out, you get landscape jobs. You get ready for Christmas and order the Christmas trees. You plant in the spring. You sell in the fall. You do the landscape jobs. You go out, you get ready for Christmas trees in the winter. It never did really change. And some time began to go by, and I just accepted this is, this is just the business. This is the way that it is. It's the way it always has been. So I, I just kind of settled in on that, if you will, understood that that was just the way things were. Well, some passing years began to go by, and there was an employee that had worked there off and on for a couple of years. And we began to date and certainly ended up actually getting married. And we were married, that marriage ended in about four years. And for those of you who have ever gone through divorce, you understand the huge emotional swings, the roller coaster, the ups, the downs of emotions that are felt and certainly so it was with me. Well, to compensate a lot for that, I just, I just threw myself even more, even more into work. At that time, we began to expand. We had five different satellite locations around town. And my dad had some health concerns, nothing major, but uh, a lot of responsibilities began to befall on me and my sister and my mother. Uh, me being the only son, I always took a little bit more pressure that I put on myself than not for that reason. And I really began to feel more and more just really overwhelmed, just overwhelmed with all that was going on and all the problems that I wasn't used to. I knew how to, I could tell somebody what kind of rose would look best under their shade tree. I could tell somebody what kind of fertilizer should you put on your magnolia tree. That was not the issue. The issue was I I didn't understand really a lot about working in business with people especially. And so that really did weigh on me quite a bit. Well, I began to realize as I got overwhelmed, I, I felt kind of like an analogy might would be a, a hamster on a hamster wheel with no exit ramp. The cage is closed. No way out. I, I had no way. I just I couldn't see myself doing it, anything. Well, I was probably not quite 30, and I decided I'm going to go for a physical. I hadn't been since I'd gone to college. So I was just kind of experiencing a little bit of tiredness, et cetera. So I went just to get a physical. And I walked in, and the doctor, you know, certainly does what he normally does, checks your blood pressure, checks your temperature, checks your heart rate, all the common questions. And he began to ask me a few questions, which I replied, and he nodded. He said, listen, while you're here, I'd like to do what is called an EKG. I didn't know what that meant. So we went back to the little room in the back, and I laid down, and he hooked up these little electrodes, as you probably can imagine. And I laid there for 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes go by. And he comes into the room. He says, Charlie, I'm sorry. It took a little bit longer. I had to get a hold of the cardiologist. I finally got a hold of him, and he wants to see you now. 
I said, well, I, I can try to make an appointment. No, 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 Charlie, you have to go now. He wants to see you now. And I thought, well, you're not doing my heart any good now by telling me that. <laughs> so by the grace of God, I, I did not have to stay in the hospital, but he, he began to run a lot of tests and some more tests. And finally, when all those were concluded, he sat me down in his office and he said, you know, Charlie, you, you've got a good heart. You really do. Uh, your test came back. I don't see a lot of challenges with your heart. And I thought, well, I'm sure a lot of it just had to do, you know, I'm busy. I'm a nurseryman. I'm in a family business. You know, I'm just busy, busy. You know, you understand that, don't you, doctor? And I'm sure a lot of it has to do with my diet. I mean, I don't eat well. I'm on the run. And it's just kind of tough. And he listened. He said, Charlie, I'm not really concerned a lot about what you're eating. What I'm concerned about is what's eating you. And I looked at him with this dumbfounded face that I sometimes have. And he said to me, he said, if you don't change your lifestyle... You're going to end up an old man in a young man's body at best. And the next time I see you may not be under the same set of circumstances. And when I walked out and I got in my car, to be quite frank, I was, I was kind of frustrated. I was kind of angry. I mean, doesn't he understand? I mean, I, I'm, the, I'm the only son. I, I'm in the family business. I, it's busy, a nurseryman. And then all of a sudden I began to listen and I began to hear from God and realizing what had been going on. You see, time spent in one area, which it was in my life, is time not spent in other areas. And I began to realize the time I was spending was over in my life, my career, but I wasn't spending time with the Lord. I had gotten away from that. Oh, I'd read the Bible every now and again. Sure, I'd say prayer every now and again. But all of a sudden, I began to realize, and I, I, I said to God, and I, I said, I'm sorry. I, I realized I have gotten so far away. Well, during that time, um, God spoke to me a lot. And one of the things that came to me, and I'd heard this before, but as I was reading the Bible one night, Philippians 4, 6, 7, it said, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Well, I had heard that, but I never really understood it because don't worry about anything. Oh, okay, that's easy to say. Listen to the song, don't worry, be happy. Well, that's not going to solve anything. But this was saying, instead of worrying, replace that and pray about everything. And I began to start praying. I was praying driving the truck. I was praying at a stop sign. I was praying in a parking lot. I was praying about anything. And I began to realize that now that anxiety and those worries began to kind of dissipate a little bit more. I also would certainly not just read the word, but I, I really enjoyed going and looking through the different books at Christian bookstores. There was one in particular. It was called the Family Christian Bookstore on Edgemere owned by a Mr. and Mrs. Rapay, and such a sweet lady. And sometimes I would literally spend hours in a week there looking at different articles, looking at different books, and she was always so kind. Charlie, can I help you find anything? Is there anything I can show you? 
And I'd say, oh, well, I'd like to look at this. Oh, okay. I'm thinking, she's probably thinking, are you going to buy a book? Uh, but she was very sweet lady. And I like to listen to a lot of different music that she introduced me to, nourishing myself more and more in God's word. A Wednesday night service, as I had been attending church more and more now on my own, uh, a pastor was speaking that one Wednesday evening on Psalm 23, and we all know what that psalm is. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. Well, as he was speaking, I began to realize I hadn't been laying down in green pastures. My pastures were more stickers and thorns. And then, of course, he went on, and he leadeth me beside still water. Well, he leadeth me if I'm willing to follow. You see, where I was, I was like drinking out of a fire hose. It was like Niagara Falls. It was not still waters. And as he began to speak more and more, I began to pray, and all of a sudden, I will always remember the peace that I felt ridding myself, purging more of these worries, anxieties. It, it was incredible. I just, I just laid everything down. I, I had nothing left. Uh, he went on to say something that really was a changing point in my life. He asked us to take out a sheet of paper as there was some paper and a pen or a pencil. And he understood that God wanted to bring all of us into these green pastures. He wanted all of us to be led into the still water. He had a plan, a purpose. And so I, I took out a sheet of paper, and I wrote two main, main stories, two main lists. Number one, my list to find a beautiful companion, a wife to share my life with, be spiritually and mentally minded. Now look, this is the original piece of paper. 1986, August 13th at 8.44 p.m. That's what I wrote. Three months later, God introduced me to Lizette. Changed everything. Changed my life. Well, we began to talk some on the phone, and uh, I would call her up, and then we'd talk for another 20 minutes, and then an hour. Finally, I, I mustered up enough courage to ask her out, and we began to date a little slowly at first, and then a little bit more, and we were married six months later. And we're coming up now on our 36th wedding anniversary. We have a beautiful daughter named Ashley. We have two precious granddaughters, Grayson and Sloan, and just a wonderful, wonderful Sloan is wonderful and have a wonderful son-in-law. Uh, just amazing how God answers prayers. Do you believe God answers prayers? He sure does. He sure does. Well, as this began to go on a little bit more, now I also had another thing that I had written on the list. To overcome the fear, the worry, the anxieties of what I thought I'm supposed to do and do what God's will was for me in my life. I was in the family business. I was a nurseryman. I was the only son. How in the world could I ever leave my dad? How could I leave that family business? Well, God spoke and said, well, your family is now Lizette and Ashley. Yeah, 
And so we prayed, and we prayed a lot. And three years later, an opportunity opened up for us to own and operate our own business. And of all industries, the personal and professional development, which I thought I would never be a part of. And here we are now going on almost 33 years later. We had some wonderful years. We had a lot of lean years, as any business person would tell you. Business is not always, always rosy. And certainly when 2020 happened, man, the business that we were in, it was gone in a snap. Shut down one day. Uh, please don't get me wrong. What we went through was absolutely nothing compared to what so many millions of people have gone through and some still going through. But in that time, it was almost like taking a, a thoroughbred, a racehorse that had been running now for 29, almost 30 years, maybe galloping, maybe trotting, but always moving and putting a lasso on that horse and putting that horse in the corral. And that's what I felt like. Oh, I was kicking the door. I was pawing. I was whinnying. Anything to get out of there. But God had a plan for me. And he used that time in a way that uh, I'll never forget. Psalm 27, 14 says, Wait upon the Lord. Be of good courage. And in that time, the nearly two-year time, I, I did wait. And I waited. And God began to open up so many doors. One being certainly this church even more, as we've been a part of. There were two courageous men, Peter and Ed. They began a men's Bible study of all time, 6.30 a.m. Saturday mornings on Trans Mountain Road. Maybe windy, maybe cold, maybe you couldn't hear because of the traffic, but we were all gathered together there as one, praying for each other because everybody was going through something, especially during those years. Many of you all may recall Terry and Kim. Also, they courageously opened up the doors here to the church many Saturday mornings, coming together, praying in groups, may not even know who is there, but everybody was there praying. You see, through everything, through it all, God has and does have his eyes on me. And through it all, God has his eyes on you, no matter what it is that you may have gone through or are going through. There's just nothing greater than the power of prayer and certainly taking that in learning how to become even stronger by fellowship, prayer and fellowship. Uh, such a big part of my life, as I know it all is for you. Wait upon the Lord, for he is good, and through it all, his eyes are always on you. Thank you again, Terry. Thank you, Ken. Thank you very much. Good evening, everyone. Hi. That was a really uh, beautiful testimony that uh, Charlie gave. Uh, kind of reminds me of of uh, a lot of a lot of it has to do with uh, your childhood, huh? How you were brought up and how God spoke to to you since uh, at an early age. Um, so, 
So I'm John Payares, John Angel. Some people call me Juan or Angel, Angel. I answer to all of the above, right? So um, I've been, uh, I'm the eldest of four in my family. I got a brother and two uh, twin sisters. They're not identical. Uh, my brother lives in Las Cruces. I got two sisters in Albuquerque. I live here in El Paso. Uh, I've been attending here since 2012, and I've been blessed to serve in the English to Spanish translation ministry team. Uh, there's uh, four of us in that team, and most of you have probably seen me out there uh, greeting you at the door, so uh, it's, it's a pleasure for me to serve uh, here at church. But um, we all had a calling at one time, right? Um, uh, God calls us individually, just like Jesus called Peter and Andrew. While they were casting their net into the sea, two average men going about their daily workday to provide for their families. And Jesus said to them in Matthew 4, 19, right? He said, told them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Of course, these were already grown men. Um, but I, in, in my calling, personally, individually, um, he first got my attention when I was about six, seven years old. I used, we lived in Array, New Mexico. If any of, uh, it's uh, between Tier C and Hatch. It's a little town, probably two little community homes there. It was priced black dairy farms back then. Um, so most, it was a dairy farm there, practically. So my dad uh, worked there as a, uh, he milked the cows. And uh, my mom would just stay home, and she was a homemaker and raised us four kids. So, but it was fun, right? I had my bike. There was dirt roads everywhere. I'd get up, chase cows, go visit the pig farm. Everybody knew me. You know, hey, Angelito. All the, the workers knew me, and it was great, you know. Uh, it, it was fun growing up there, BB guns, shooting lizards with the friends and rabbits. and just, it, was, it was great. It was great. I would leave the house in the morning and not come back till sundown. Uh, didn't have to worry about eating because, you know, we'd, I'd be at a friend's house, and his mom would invite me to, hey, won't you join us for lunch? And, and you know, sure, why not, right? So... <laughs> It was great, but um, I'll never forget um, one time I was at my friend's house, and uh, his mom was, uh, for some reason, I don't even remember why, she, uh, she told me, if you don't make your, if you don't do your first communion, being in the Catholic Church, you're going to go to hell. That was the first time uh, that, that uh, I, I felt fear, <laughs> the fear of God. I was like, okay, God is... There's another side to God that he's, he's, he's angry at the wicked every day, right? There's a scripture that says that. So the, the wrath of God is coming, right? And he, he's going to judge. And that came to me, to my knowledge, at a very early age. That caught my attention. And uh, that got me very worried, very concerned. That I didn't want to go to hell. I was only seven years old, you know. So what, <laughs> you know, what, could, I, what could I have done to, uh, that I could go to hell at seven years old? You haven't done your first communion. You know, okay. So I started researching, right? I got I to gotta do my first communion. I have to do something to, not to go to hell so I could get into heaven. Um, but, you know, I started going to taking catechism courses, classes, and I just could not stay awake. I could not get through it. I mean, the rosaries and the, the, the Hail Marys of this. I could not. I quit. I quit. <laughs> I just couldn't handle it, you know. I, I just couldn't handle it. I joined the league. I, I joined sports because I just could not handle it. And nothing against, I mean, they were great teachers. and I just could not handle the material. I, I just did not find it interesting. 
so I, I got turned off. You know, I said, well, I guess I'm, I'm just going to, I don't know what, what I have to do. I, I still don't want to go to hell, <laughs> you know. So I was, uh, you know, I was like six, seven years old. We lived there till I was eight. And then we, my dad moved over here to a little uh, community, again, another little community of homes called Del Cerro. It's between the Mesquite exit on I-10 and the Vado exit, little community homes. Uh, it was called Del Cerro. New homes, we got a new house, it was nice. Uh, got to make friends. Uh, we didn't, you know, it was, it was a new experience, right? So, yeah, mostly a Hispanic community. And I remember there was an elderly couple, Mr. Don Wright and his wife. They were visiting our house, uh, going around the neighborhood and inviting us to, uh, to a Bible study. And they were, uh, later on, I, I found out they were Baptists. And they invited, they invited us to their homes, to, to their house, which was on the corner on the main street. And, you know, my friends and I, my, my, my brother and sister, we went. And that's where I first got introduced to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they started teaching us about Jesus Christ, the gospel. I must have been like nine, ten years old. And I felt so, I felt so comfortable in their homes. They had Kool-Aid, cookies, and cupcakes. <laughs> they made us feel very welcome. And I really liked that, you know. And then their daughters would teach us uh, songs. Like, you know, I've got the joy, joy, joy down in my heart. And, you know, the Lord said to Noah, you know, uh, there's going to be a floody, floody. And all those uh, great Sunday school songs, right? And we would sing them. And, and I, I, just, I just enjoyed that so much as a kid, you know. Uh, so I, I, loved, I always liked singing and music. And uh, we, I just felt so so peaceful in their home. And then Miss Wright, Mrs. Wright would play the piano. Uh, so that group started growing. And I then, then started building on behind our house uh, a little room. You know, they put two by fours and plywood. And we started having church there on Sundays. And then it started growing. And then they built, a, actually, they got the funding to build a Baptist church right at the entrance of uh, Del Cerro, the little community. And then they also had a Bible bookstore. That's where they get all the, the little prizes. We'd memorize verses and then, you know, win a prize. And then that's where I got my first Bible, the Children's Living Bible. And I remember reading it, the Ten Commandments. And, and, and it was really down, you know, where you could understand it. So that stayed in my heart. That stayed in my mind. And, and you know, and, and then they would make altar calls. Anybody want to give their life to Jesus? I, I do. And I'd pass. And, but I thought every Sunday I'd have to give my life to Jesus, right? I was repenting every Sunday, right? So, but um, that's, that's how I got introduced to the gospel. It was through this elderly couple and, and his wife and, and his daughters that would teach us uh, about the Bible. And then there was the Millers. There was another couple, a younger couple down the street on, behind my street. Um, and they started, they, they, were, they would go to uh, church in Las Cruces, uh, Church of Christ, and they they get a bus all the way to Del Cerro, which is like twelve miles. And that bus, our, the bus was uh, had a, all the buses at Noah's Ark. Our, ours was a Joyride, the Joy Bus. And we get in the bus, all my friends, and they'd have candy gums and all kinds of good stuff, and we'd sing songs again. And I I I I really enjoyed the singing, you know. And the um, it was, and then we get to church, and then we had Bible studies and. So it continued on until I was about 13, 14. And then right around the age of 14, um, I started uh, hanging out with 
friends in the neighborhood that didn't go to church. Um, and I started drifting away, you know, just drawing away from the Lord. And when I was about 15 years old, 15 and a half, I was at a cross point. My friends were really into partying, drinking, smoking. I wasn't into their full, you know, full force back then. But uh, I, I had to make a decision. Am I going to full go with these guys full force or am I, I, I need something. I still feel like I'm not happy. So one of my best friends, um, whom he already went with the Lord, um, he, uh, he had an issue with his, he had like a tumor in his head and they found a tumor and then he, uh, he went to a church in Anthony's mom would, took him to a church in Anthony and, and they prayed for him and he got healed and he gave his life to the Lord. And that was a major trend transformation in his life that I noticed and I said hmm you're different you don't want to hang out with us anymore and he said no I'm following the Lord I'm following Christ so he invited me to the church I went and and uh, they, they 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 gave a, a pretty good pretty good sermon that night and and I kept visiting and and the Lord spoke to me and he, that's where I, I I made a decision to follow Christ you know the the, the Holy Spirit convicted me you know, because I was, I was, I was at a youth uh, part of my youth where I was going to go, you know, just hundred percent to the world, you know, and do all kinds of stuff that are ungodly or you know not not according to God's will, and could have gone in very serious serious trouble. But thank God that He rescued me, and uh, I gave my life to the Lord. Got baptized on a cold January night. Uh, the pillar was made of cement, no hot water. And I still remember the night, um, got in the water, it was cold, but, you know, I got baptized. And, you know, after I made the decision to uh, give my life to the Lord. And um, so I kind of grew up in, with the youth there. Uh, we had all kinds of activities going on. There were 60 youth. We were very united. We shared everything. We never left anybody out uh, money-wise. We always went to get together restaurants. Uh, picnics. We were very, very united. Um, I finally uh, uh, graduated from high school. But while I was at high school, um, I started, you know, witnessing. And one time I was witnessing to this guy in the weight room. Of course, that was like 60 pounds ago for me, right? Uh, but, uh, you know, we were working out and, and I started witnessing. And I was giving out, passing out those Jack T. publication uh, track books um and uh he was listening but little did i know another guy that was sitting uh working out next next to me he was listening to everything i said everything i said and he started asking me questions and uh he started visiting the church and he gave his life to the lord and up to today he's he's uh he's my best friend and he's still serving god in fact sometimes He's the one that tells me more about uh, the Word of God, in, his integrity. I really admire his integrity, you know, cause, and it makes me feel like, oh, man, I, he keeps me in line and in check, you know. We keep each other in line and check. It's good to have a friend like that. But um, it's, uh, it's been a blessing. And, and unfortunately, the other young man, um, again, he was, you know, in the, in the wrong crowd. Uh, he... Uh, he had a riff with some guys, uh, and then something happened, and then 
the guys, you know, one time they, they went to a party and they they drank a lot and I don't know what else they did that night and, and uh, they told them, you know, good friends, let bygones be bygones and they put them in the car and they took them to Trans Mountain and they set the car on fire and that was the, the end of him and, and, you know, we all heard the story and they never could prove uh, who we, the rumors were so-and-so did it because they saw him leaving those guys after the party but you know you um, you know I, I the good thing is I, I feel glad that I don't know what happened after I, I I witnessed to him and told him about the Lord but hopefully I pray that I don't know if he, he ever gave his life to the Lord or not but I was in I grew up in that type of environment you know um, and the Lord really rescued me from all that um, so I graduated from high school went to college at MSU and you know, going to college, being a Christian in a secular uh, environment, uh, college, non-Christian, uh, it's, there's a lot going on there, you know, back in the day. I don't know, maybe now they have more Christian organizations. But uh, it was very, a lot of temptation going on there. A lot of temptation, parties going left and right. You're young, the world, this and that, and everything looks easy, right? You're young and and, you know, you make friends, and then you find out that, oh, this friend is doing this, this friend is doing that. And, you know, so, but I kept going to church. I mean, I kept going to church and stayed, stayed on as much as, you know, uh, faithful to the Lord. Um, but um, finally finished college, uh, got a job. First, you know, the economy was kind of not that, not that great back then. Uh, not many jobs for recent graduates from, for coming out of engineering at uh, NMSU. So I took a job over in uh, South America uh, doing seismic oil exploration with a company from Houston, Texas. Um, and uh, during the interview, they asked me, well, what, what do you like to, what kind of weather do you like? And I always complain about hot, dry weather here, right? So I said, well, I like nice and cold weather, cool. And um, so they put me way down south in, uh, in the middle of nowhere, Right, not too far from Antarctica. <laughs> and always because of the interview, what I said, right? The weather. So it was really cold down there, you know. I was like, whoa, I should have been more careful during that interview. But um, anyways, uh, so we would work six weeks straight from sunup to sundown in the middle of nowhere in the desert. And we had a base camp. So it was like 50 guys, just 50 men. And uh, we, uh, there was nothing to do. There's like no TV reception signal, only one radio station. Uh, so not much to do. A lot of reading books. But during that time, I wasn't, there was no good word to go to church. I got cold. I got like spiritually cold during that time. And it was one year that I spent over there in uh, South America. It was one year. I got spiritually cold. And I, you know, I would travel during my vacation, we had two weeks off. We worked six weeks straight, two weeks off. Um, and during those two weeks, you could come home or you could, you know, I got the opportunity to go visit Chile, uh, Uruguay, Brazil, you know, countries in South America. Um, but during that time, I just got cold. Far, and, and I was far away. From, I felt so lonely because I didn't, I didn't have family down there. So I, I felt so lonely, like I've never felt in my life. 
Uh, I didn't even feel close to God because I had no church. There was no church to go. No, uh, it's not like here you turn on the radio and there's there's preachings going on. Sir. Nothing over there. Just nothing. Um, so I got cold, spiritually cold, and you know um, I said I can't I can't do this no more. I gotta come back to gotta come back home. So I only spent one year over there. Decided to come back home. Uh, came back to church in Anthony. Uh, all my friends were there. Most of them were all married. And here I am in my late twenties, um, early thirties, and everybody's already married and <laughs> starting a family. Here I am, like, what do I do now? You know, so hanging out with a younger crowd. I just felt out of place. But um, there was a young lady there that I met. Um, we were just friends, you know, and, and we started knowing each other, and then we started dating, and then I married my wife, Adriana, and and we started a family, right? And uh, we have two uh, young young men and, and my daughter, and uh, whom the Lord has blessed me with. Um, I, I'll, I'll tell you one thing: it's it hasn't been easy. It, it's I know I'm t- putting like all these years in 20 minutes or so. But I'm just giving, giving the highlights. But through all this time, since I was seven, six years old, God has already caught my attention, you know. And I know that a lot of times we just talk about, it's good, you know, God's, God's love is great. But there's also, we know that he's, he does have wrath, right? Because he flooded the earth. He, he does not like sin. Uh, and he will judge it. And he flooded the earth. Uh, back in Noah's days, and but now there's a big op- window of opportunity for His grace, that, since Christ died for us, and um, it's it's been it's been a blessing uh, serving God, and you know, and and life has its challenges, ups and downs, right? Um, so how did I come here to this church? So one day I was watering, uh, you know, the bushes and uh, the trees in front of my house, and. And before that, I had heard uh, on the radio, I would turn on the radio, and um, I listened to uh, a sermon uh, called the, the Great White Throne. I'll never forget that. And uh, the, the one giving the sermon was Terry Gray. I said, hmm, Terry Gray. Sounds like he's from California, you know, like this guy. Uh, <laughs> really nice. I mean, because all these good, you know, pe- teachers and preachers are in California. I why are they, what would they be doing here, right? So one day I was watering the trees in the front yard, and then my, my neighbor, uh, two houses down, he was passed by my, my, the front of my house to pick up the, uh, on his way to the mailbox. And so we started talking and everything, and we started talking about church. What church do you go to? Oh, I go to Anthony. He said, oh, I go to Calvary Chapel right here in Sun City. Um, and I said, well, who's your pastor? Oh, Terry. Terry Gray? What? Terry Gray? Really? I mean, the one that comes on the radio, yeah, that's him. What? I thought he was in California. No, he's right there two miles down the road. Oh, man. So um, I, I started visiting, you know, and, and I, uh, I told my wife about it. We, she started coming. And at that time, we were in, in the Church of Anthony, and we wanted something for our kids, uh, a, a kids' ministry church that would focus and had a good program. So we, we visited around other churches, and we found this. Uh, we prayed about it first, right? And we found that this is a, where God wanted us, wants us, and we're still here. And uh, I'm just thankful to God that, you know, I've gotten to know new friends, 
It's like a new family here. Um, it, it, it's a blessing, and you know, we have the men's group here, Bible study on Tuesdays, and now we're going to retreat, and um, it, it's just been a wonderful, wonderful experience. And don't get me wrong, I know uh, I'm hitting the highlights of, of the good things of how God called me and, and how individually and where I'm at right now, but I've had some tough, tough, low, low times in my life that not even my wife would understand what I'm going through. It is only between God and me. And all I could do is like get up at 3, 4 in the morning and just pray and give those, like Charlie was saying, fears, anxieties that come. And, and, and you just pray to God and leave it in his hands and trust in him that he will help you through the hard times. And he will. He will, he will come through. We just got to trust in him. Thank you. God bless you. This is so awesome. Anybody else want to come up and share their story? I just, this is, it's just great. Uh, Charlie, Juan, thank you so much. And, uh, the other elders who have done that. Um, you know, the communion table, it's about the, the story. Um, Jesus told us to do this regularly because it's a real uh, effective way of remembering the story that the Lord Jesus left heaven, became man, and died on the cross for our sins. And this bread represents his broken body. And the juice represents his shed blood. That is the story. And that's what we remember. But is the story, has that become your story? Do you have a story like Charlie? Or like Juan or others? Has there come a point in your life where you've received Christ? Life is tough. Life is hard. But I'll tell you what. Um, you give your life to Jesus. All the lights turn on. Um, you find your purpose, you find your, your meaning, your place, um, and it, it, there's nothing like it. So uh, I want you to have an opportunity to receive him, and it's always also a good, good time at the communion table for those of us who are believers to remember. Go back and remember how Jesus touched your life that first time when your eyes were opened. And... Uh, you know, maybe, you've, maybe your love's grown cold. Um, well, try to remember that passion, that fervor that you first had. Let's uh, dim the lights. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Let's have our worship band come up. Those of you who are going to help me distribute, come on up. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for all that you've done. You have made it possible for our sins to be forgiven. That we might come into a relationship with you.
And even though everything in this life is, is, is not easy, at least we know it's real. It's real because we have you in our life. We know where we're going. We know that you love us. You know that you have a good plan. Tonight we all draw close to you at this communion table. We'll handle this bread and this juice and think of how much you love us. And again we bow and surrender our hearts coming to you afresh again. And if you're here this evening and you've yet to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, right now do it. He died on the cross for you and he rose again on the third day. He's alive. I believe he's right here in our midst walking these aisles, ready to save you. Maybe you feel like Charlie felt at one time, that hamster in the, in the cage. You just keep trying everything and there's a way out. Give your life to Christ. So if that's you, just in the quietness of your heart, it's the cry of the heart. It's, it's the reaching out to the Lord. Just say, Lord, I'm reaching out to you. I need you. I know I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me and rising again. Come into my heart. Take my life. Take me by the hand and lead me through life. Show me your plan. I surrender. I give it to you. Let's all just stay in an attitude of worship and reverence and thanksgiving. Um, wait. You're going to receive the elements. Wait. We'll all partake of them together corporately as a body. There's two cups that you're going to take. The wafer on the bottom, the juice on the top, but get two cups. And, and praise the Lord. Think about him. Return to him. Surrender afresh to him.